This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Tech Talk Revolution. And at some point in time, over the next few years, we'll have these machines be able to see, feel, hear, and smell and do 100 times more than a human could ever possibly do. And at some point, there is an inflection point where no different than you would never build a building today without a smoke detector because it's obvious. In the future, it'll be obvious, like, why don't you have an autonomous security robot? You're, you're being reckless. Hi, I'm Johnny Kaplan, and you're listening to Tech Talk Revolution. Our world is changing faster than we know it, and the future is already here via hot new entrepreneurial startups from all over the globe. Their innovative thinking, technical wizardry, are bringing us incredibly new technologies designed to make the world a better, safer, cleaner, and more exciting place. You know you're living in the future with robotics and AI and autonomous devices really everywhere we look. And in this episode, we'll be meeting with one of the pioneers of autonomous robotic devices, the CEO and founder of Nightscope, William Santana Lee. So I'm here with Bill Santana Lee, the CEO and chairman of Nightscope Inc. Hi, Bill. Lovely to talk to you today. Greetings from Silicon Valley. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And greetings from that wonderful background, that the warehouse, well, not warehouse, the work area you're in. It's absolutely unbelievable. Tell us a little bit about what's going on behind you. Sure. We're at Nightscope headquarters here in Mountain View, California. This is not a virtual background. These are our autonomous security robots that we've been developing over the last several years. Uh, they're a unique combination of self-driving autonomous technology, robotics, and artificial intelligence to give officers and guards really smart eyes and ears and voice on the ground for them to do their jobs much, much more effectively. So just to give the viewers who are listening and not actually seeing any of this video content, if you were to see what I'm seeing now of Bill, you almost imagine that you woke up on top of the Starship Enterprise or Star Wars or some fantastic movie. You're in the workshop and these look like conceptual robots um, that you're putting together because there are so many of them and they all look fantastic, very dynamic excellent design. They're all autonomous. Some of them are moving around and, and scanning the environment behind you. Um, I got to keep an eye on, on you. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Keep a second eye on me. But, but these aren't fictitious, right? These are real autonomous robots. You're developing them. You're actually using them in real life situations. So tell us a little bit about what Nightscape does. 
Sure. The, the future is actually today. Uh, a lot of people are like, hey, the nice prototypes or good, cool concepts, or when are you getting these out the door? And we actually hold contracts from Alaska through Texas to Rhode Island. We operate across five time zones across the entire U.S., uh, running 24-7, fully autonomous without any human intervention. And we've operated over 1 million hours out in the field, uh, helping guards and officers better secure the places you visit, work, and live. And they've been you know, pretty successful in being actual crime-fighting technology. If you go to nightscope.crime, you can see the long, long list of things that the robots have already been able to help and make a positive impact on, on society. It's pretty amazing. So I just wanted to say that, obviously, your name Nightscope, as in having this extra uh, visibility at a time where you can't see or uh, you have little visibility. So what you've given is these autonomous uh, devices that help police enforcement, security guards, areas where particularly you know, a human being couldn't stand all day long and monitor, or for logistical, technical reasons, they can't go there. You've given these wonderful technologically advanced beings that are really helping and they're actually helping in the field today. Uh, yes, I, I think one little math problem that most people don't yet understand. In the US, we have a million security guards and a million law enforcement professionals. So that's two million people. They're running 24 seven, uh, 365. You can't triple shift a human. So at any given time, there's only 500,000 people trying to secure uh, 328 million Americans across 50 states. That math doesn't work. And the negative economic impact of crime on the US is over a trillion dollars uh, a year. There's a violent crime every 25 seconds and a property crime every four seconds. And I don't believe the founders of our country ever expected us to build a society where going to work, going to school and going to a movie theater literally came with the risk of being shot or killed. So the country's over 200 years old. We're in our 46th president. No one's fixed this problem. And we are on a mission to see if we can make the United States of America the safest country in the world. Excellent. I think you're heavily away on that mission. You're almost a decade creating these devices and huge amount of foresight because really in the last year with the issues with George Floyd and, and, and other issues which have really become mainstream media, people are noticing problems with police enforcement, not just numerically, as you're talking about, but actually physically with a human acting maybe on emotions or in a certain way. And you're providing an extra level of security, which, of course, you can program them to operate in any way that, 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 that you wish. Yeah, this, this is a good way to de-escalate a problem, to give the officers and guard, uh, guards smarter faster ways to make a decision and safer, right? It kind of disintermediates some of the problems if they can kind of assess the situation before they arrive on, on scene. Uh, we've already helped a law enforcement agency issue an arrest warrant for a sexual predator. We helped another domestic abuse case. We helped stop a fraudulent insurance claim. We helped the security guard apprehend a thief and the list goes on and on. One of our clients, their apartment complex was in Las Vegas. The, in the top three most 911 calls, according to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, since we've been there for the last three months, it, they have dropped off the top 10 list. So we know the, the technology is effective and it's taken some time to build all this kind of complicated stuff and then actually get it to work, not just in the laboratory, but out in the, in the real world, in the rain, at night. We've been through four winters now. 
five summers and through the heat and the polar vortexes and, and what have you. And you end up with a lot of lessons learned. So we've, we've probably forgotten more how to do this than most people would know. But, you know, then again, no one in the history of mankind has actually done this at scale. He who makes no mistakes makes nothing. So I think it's, it's imperative that you make mistakes. That's part of the learning curve. You know that better than I do. You've been doing this for your career a little bit longer than I have. So you've got, you know, you know that you've got to go out there, build it, try it, fail, and keep going several times until you nail it. And I'm glad to see you're, 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 you're on the top end of that now, right? And really looking back and seeing those challenges and moving forwards with these wonderful innovations today. So let, let's go back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your work history. I know you've been an entrepreneur and a, and, a, and a pioneer for about three decades now. So t- tell us a little bit about growing up as an entrepreneur and, and what spurred you. Actually, the best training ground for what I've been doing was uh, a decade working at Ford Motor Company. I spent 10 years there, 12 different jobs, four different continents, every functional area from, and geez, I'm going to date myself now. I worked on the 6.8 liter V10 engine. I worked on the Escort Tracer team with Mazda. I was the vehicle engineer for the Lincoln Mark 8. I worked on the what is now the Ford Escape. I was stationed in Ford of Europe for the never-ending turnarounds, helped build a plant down in Ford of Brazil. Uh, my second and last job, I was director of mergers and acquisitions. I like to say when we're running around buying everything, it's a lot of fun. Uh, my last job, ill-advised, which is the thing that got me the entrepreneurial bug, was I got the board of directors of Ford Motor Company to release a quarter billion dollars to me to do a roll-up in the used parts industry. If you don't know what a roll-up is, basically you buy the same type of company over and over again, make one big one. So I bought 22 companies in 11 months. I had about 600 employees and had built the second largest automotive recycler in the world, which is now part of LKQ, a $10 billion publicly traded company. And at the age of 28, I was the youngest senior exec at Ford. And at the time we had, I don't know, 430,000 employees. And it you just you that at at that age you have your own board your own HR your own treasury your own everything you start thinking hey I could probably make a bigger impact on the outside and then nine eleven hit and that kind of kind of really changed things for me. Yeah, you realize that the tools that we didn't amazing story and you realize that the tools that we have around us just aren't sufficient to cater for any given scenario. And I can't help saying how much I love the design and the way that you've put together the products that you have today. So tell us a little bit about those products today. Tell us how a member civilian would interact with one of these policing bots that would move around autonomously. You've got ones that are kind of shaped like a a miniature police car almost as well. Tell us about the different designs. Tell us about what they what they do and how they interact with human beings. Sure. We typically like to start with the clients first and then talk about the technology. So our clients are major corporations, law enforcement agencies, manufacturing facilities, logistics facilities, schools, basically anywhere indoors or outdoors, you might see a security guards fair game. To your specific question, so we have three uh, models in production today out in the field, and then one still in development. So the K1, just behind me, is the uh, stationary one. It's intended for ingress, egress locations where, let's say, you have a lot of people, a lot of cars coming in and out, uh, let's say at a casino uh, resort where one of our clients has 300 plus security guards and they need more eyes and ears for them to, to cover every entrance. The second one is also to my left here is the smaller K3. It's uh, four foot tall, two foot wide, 340 pounds, primarily for indoors. So patrolling inside of a uh, a large hospital, warehouses, offices, et cetera. 
And the one that's kind of patrolling behind me is the most popular one. That's the K5. Uh, it's five foot tall, 400 pounds, and primarily operates in parking structures going up and down nine stories or outside of airports, outside of a manufacturing facility. And we have numerous hospitals that are clients of ours. You know, we're in the middle pandemic. Uh, not to be cute about it, but the robots are immune. So you probably don't necessarily want to be the security guard at a hospital during a pandemic. And there's two things to think about in terms of technology. One is how they move and then what they actually do. We can cover those if, if you like, Johnny. Sure, sure, sure. I, I think, you know, that's imperative because, like I said, some of them look a little bit in the shape of R2-D2, you know, this robot that's on wheels, it can move around on its own. It's not, it doesn't have many outstretched arms or things that it can tangle up um, in the world. So they're designed in a certain way. I'd just like to understand the thinking behind the design, how they operate like that how that you know, protects human beings around them, protects them from getting into any trouble, how they climb up stairs, those kind of challenges that, that you've, had to, you've had to overcome. Yes, we primarily operate outdoors, not a lot of stairs outdoors. So these machines operate very similar to a self-driving car. Uh, so using uh, LiDAR and sonar and wheel encoders and accelerometers and a bunch of crazy software for these machines to be able to operate on their own in dynamic environments where there's a lot of people. So let's say pre-COVID at a mall inside at three o'clock on a Saturday is complete mayhem. You got to need to be able to patrol during that environment uh, or at a helix kind of parking structure at the Houston airport where you've got a lot of vehicles coming uh, in and out. The design that you speak of, we have a little bit of a, I'll call it a design challenge. So these are not military products, right? We're not in a theater of war. They need to operate in society. So you need to have some level of intimidation factor, but you can't scare grandma or or the child, right? right so right. maybe the opposite example would be like, if we were on this call and all the machines behind me were painted matte black, they had red glowing lights and, you know, spewing out some ominous sound, like the, probably the meeting's over, right? We don't need to have this discussion. So we try to do the opposite of that is think about every surface, every radius, every font, every color that you pick, such that it's inviting and intrinsically exciting and brings the child out of someone because robots are cool. But at the same time, if you're a criminal, you drive into a parking lot at three o'clock in the morning, you wanna go steal that car, there's a five foot tall, 400 pound machine roaming around on its own. There's no one remote controlling it. There's nobody around. The strobe lights going like crazy. It says security on it. You have no idea what it does. You are going to steal that car down the street and not there. And that's that physical deterrence that I, I spoke of earlier. That's uh, really important, a part of that design. So I'm not sure if we have it perfect, but I think we're in the right quadrant. If you got people taking robot selfies and clients renewing their contracts and, uh, and girls leaving big fat red kisses on the machine, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we're okay. <laughs> Going to ruin your LIDAR. But, but I hear you. Now I understand a little bit more about the design that makes sense. So you want to have a slight bit of intimidation that there's something patrolling without it being an intimidating bionic being like you would see in a movie that really is with red eyes and so on that's, that's really quite scary. And at the same time, you also want a machine that has the ability to probably the cameras are moving 360 at any point, right? So you want to see out yeah. of any point. In Most importantly, eye level. Eye level right. view, right? A CCTV camera up there is really good at looking at everyone's ball spot, but that's not really helpful when an officer or guard's trying to do their job. 
Totally. And that's why you have a dome structure on the top of it so that the camera in some way is able to rotate and see at any angle. Actually, go- four, cam- four cameras, right, 90 right. degrees okay. out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So thanks. Okay. So, so didn't know how that works. So you've, you've cleared that up, but that makes a lot of sense. And at the same time, you want them to appear and be robust, but without being menacing in any way. And I understand that. And I think you've, honestly, I think you've achieved that quite well. I, I appreciate you being humble, but I think you've achieved that quite well because they do, they, they almost blend into the background. I don't find it intimidating. I mean, I'm the least, the least person to be intimidated by a robot, but they're very neutral colors. A lot of them are white. You're not using heavy metals or blacks. So a lot of them are so far white with a, with a blue, which are kind of more warming colors and pure colors. And I, I, will, I will say, Johnny, if, if I may, if you would have asked me eight years ago when we started the company, like how many of your clients would want their, their machines branded in their own colors and their own brand, I'd say, I don't know, 5%, like who's going to do that? And I was completely wrong. 90, 95% of the machines are branded with Citizens Bank, with Samsung, with the XYZ law enforcement agency in their own colors and everything. Yeah. They want to take the credit for the hard work that you've done and they've bought the product and they want it to appear like their branded product, right? They get immense credit for doing so, right? But, so. As, a, but, as, an, but as an entrepreneur, it's like, you're going to take your multi-billion dollar brand and put it on our technology and pay for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's actually great for you. Yeah, it's great for you. It's great for them. Um, yep, I think they show that they're, that, yeah, they're moving with the times. I think it's great that you offer that. Uh, I know a lot of the other providers, not particularly in the security space, but that, that are building autonomous robotic devices are generally not rebranding those for anyone. They come out as right. their products. And KUKA uh, robotic arms, for instance, that's how they come, right? Um, yep. Some people might change them, but that's how they come. So I think it's a, it's a good feature. So you've had about $70 million invested in the company. Tell us about funding rounds. Tell us about some of the development stages of the company. Tell us where you're at today, and, and, and then perhaps we'll talk about the future. Uh, sure. We've raised over $70 million to build all this technology from scratch, as, as we just spoke of. We're backed by 23,000 investors from all around the world in every walk of life. We're pushing forward to achieve that mission. If you want to change the way an entire country operates and thinks of security, you're not going to do it with four people in a boardroom just staring at each other. You're going to have to engage uh, society to make those changes. And who are those investors? Well, they're judges, they're lawyers, they're detectives, they're officers, they're guards, they're chief security officers, and can be influential in, in every part of the community. So now we're uh, finishing up our, our growth capital round that closes up on uh, April 21st. If you want to learn more, just go to nightscope.com. And uh, that's ahead of a possible public listing. Obviously, as an officer of the company, I can't promise one, but we're working on it. <laughs> Very cool. So that was part of your strategy along the way was to use the power of the crowd um, as you have with partners such as Start Engine, which is Kevin O'Leary's company from Shark Tank and, and, and people like that, where you offer the ability for individual investors all around the world to join and collaborate and, and participate in the success of the company. And that's, as you stated, it's, it's not usual you would talk to a company and they say, well, I've got 20,000, 23,000 investors. But the amazing thing about what you've done, and, and it serves very well 
because of the brand and the products of the business are very exciting to the general public, very futuristic sort of thing you see on movies and TV. So I think it was a good strategy to use a partner like that who would promote you via television, who would promote you via the internet, who used digital marketing around the internet to attract individual investors around the world and help you to develop the products, which of course take a huge amount of funding, right? To, to develop autonomous devices, especially security devices, things that operate in, in, so, in society and so on. There are so many things that even we won't get to talk about today that you've had to consider that it takes a lot to do that. As most people have seen in movies like Tony Stark and, and you know, Roby, <laughs> Robocop and things like that, people have these, these labs where they're working on them. It, it, it's a huge amount of technology, time, components, and, and, and funding. It takes a lot. One thing I do miss from being back in Detroit was, you know, I, all kidding aside, I used to lose a, a billion dollars in rounding. And for a lot of folks, $70 million is, is a lot of money. Relatively speaking for what we're doing, it's a minuscule amount of capital. I've got probably three decades worth of work in my head that we need to get done in order to achieve the mission. The company will continue to, to need capital, but as well, we've proven that the technology works and will continue to grow. And I, I think long-term, we got a shot to build a $30 billion company that has a very large and wide and deep portfolio uh, of technologies, maybe analogous to what a defense contractor might look like. But here in the States, you've got the Department of Defense has a $700 billion budget and gives the troops every level of capability you might ever imagine. And there's a Lockheed Martin, a Northrop Grumman, a General Dynamics to build that soldier, whatever he or she might need. We don't have that for folks on our own soil. And I think there is an opportunity to build that company that serves the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, the 19,000 law enforcement agencies in the U.S. and the 8,000 private security firms. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's an exciting venture. As I said, I was excited to talk to you because I've been following your success anyway from the sidelines and watching. Oh, very kind. It, right, it was, it, was, it was very clear to see the individual nature of your products and the purpose of the company that nobody else had really ventured into. And I suppose this is part of the, the pun in the name is really like Knight Rider from back in the day, right? This was the original police car that would talk back to you and help you. And I don't know if that plays any part in your branding whatsoever, but it's what comes to mind when I think of Knight Rider and he used to talk to to Michael Knight and help him. And that was an autonomous AI device, right? It wasn't real. It was probably somebody on a microphone in a cardboard (laughs) box back in the day. But you've really developed that company and it's super exciting. 
and it is majorly impactful. What you're doing will hopefully change the face of security and, and police enforcement in the US. And I think that you are pioneering with it and it's a brand new space. And $70 million is a drop in the ocean for the sort of money that goes to security infrastructure, police enforcement. People have seen in the media over the last year how much money has been cut from police budgets. They're cutting hundreds of millions with a, with a, with a breath. So um, $70 million to develop a brand new technology that can really take over and dynamically change the face of security and police enforcement as we see it is really a very small amount of money. And kudos to you for being able to achieve building some of these wonderful products behind you with those resources. Thank you. Um, we've still got a lot of work to do. I mean, we're honestly, we're just getting started. And back to the name, it's actually more, yes, Knight Rider is interesting, Star Wars is interesting, all that stuff, but the country and the officers and guards that put themselves in harm's way, they need a, a knight in shining armor. We need to change and reimagine public safety. And the only way we're going to be able to do this instead of yelling at each other and arguing is to come up with a different solution. And we've done that. And now we've proven it, that it works out in the field. And the next thing is just to grow it and keep making the technology better and better and better. And at some point in time over the next few years, we'll have these machines be able to see, feel, hear and smell and do 100 times more than a human could ever possibly do. And at some point, there is an inflection point where no different than you would never build a building today without a smoke detector because it's obvious. In the future, it'll be obvious, like, why don't you have an autonomous security robot? You're, you're being reckless here by not securing the place for your workers, for your family, for your tenants, et cetera. And let's say, give the crazy founder a moment and just say, let's say we're able to achieve our goal. We made the United States of America the safest country in the world. Talk to me about the effect on property values, on someone's local business, on insurance rates, on the volatility of financial markets. We literally would change everything for everyone. And I think that is something that the, the founders did envision of our country to, to have a more, much more prosperous and, and freedom-loving people. Certainly a much more inspiring name to know the knight in shining armor than the way that I put it as Knight Rider. But I was, really, I was really only alluding to the fact that when we're young, these are our inspirations that we yes. do. Yes, yes. And, and often these are the very things that give us the concepts and ideas that we're able to develop later in life because we're inspired by things early on. They're references that, that we put in our brain and our psyche, right? And as we go to innovate in the future, they definitely play a certain part in it. But that's a wonderful um, vision that you have. And I guess we're all very lucky that there are founders and, and pioneers like yourselves that, that are going out there and challenging the norm and looking for better products because otherwise we'd be withering away with things that just don't really work and the problems seem to be getting worse and worse. Yes. So I can certainly see benefit in having autonomous devices. They remove the bias that, that comes with a lot of individuals. They remove emotion. They remove, remove physical harm, medical issues. There are so many benefits to it and you can remove all of those. You give it a simple program. It does X, Y, and Z. It does not do anything else but that. So it's very well trained. It will listen to you or carry out its duties. And I guess it's going to be a challenge 
moving with the difference in technology, technology is moving very fast. And I believe in 10 years, what you're using compared to what you're using today will be very, very different and, and they'll be much more advanced. And we're really at that inflection point, as you were saying, where things are going to change. I have actually seen one of these, I believe it was in an airport or a, an office building. I've seen we saw you too. <laughs> right, right. You, you checked your database and you, you, knew, you knew that guy from somewhere. Um, yeah, it was on the wanted list. That, that was me. But honestly, I've seen them and I think they look very cool already. And I think you're, you're heading down the right route and you should certainly keep challenging that up. And I don't think I even need to tell you that you, you've got the energy and the passion of a, an entrepreneur, which is great. Tell us a little bit about how you see your products in the next five to 10 years. If you can give us a little peek into the difference. You gave us a peek to this, what they will be doing, but how do you feel they will operate? Just dream with me for yeah, a second. Yeah, I, I think if we start thinking of this, so first I think to put the level of complexity of what we're talking about, the level of difficulty is in the same quadrant, I'm not saying exactly the same, as SpaceX, Tesla, and, and Palantir. This is a very complicated set of technologies to get to work together. But if we dream a little, as I mentioned, we want the machines to see, feel, hear, and smell. So kind of detection capability is going to be a big focus over the next five or 10 years. There's no reason a machine couldn't learn what a car door slamming sounds like, a car honking, someone yelling help, or uh, a gunshot, or glass breaking, and be able to know which direction that they, that came from, to localize that sound we should be able to sniff for WMD threat detection capability for biochemical pathogens and radiation. I think also folks like to think about, well, what sector are you going to be in? Is it the private sector? Is it the public sector? And criminals and terrorists don't differentiate and don't care. So you need to think about different form factors, a small, medium, large, and extra large on every possible area to be able to cover all the ground, I guess, pun intended. And so you're going to end up seeing multiple form factors with uh, a plethora of different detection capabilities is, is kind of where we're headed. Very cool. Are you ever considering crossing the bridge of from being a passive observer to a situation to actually considering getting involved that there are certain life-threatening instances where they can actually carry out an action rather than alerting the police or or trying to be a, a deterrent on the spot, but actually apprehend, capture, stop those kind of actions? Or is that something that is going to take a huge challenge, right, to cross that bridge? I'm just wondering if that's something that you're that you are considering or you're just open to no, everything. No, actually against corporate policy. If you want to build a new set of technologies for society to trust, the last thing we should ever be doing or contemplating is tasing someone or doing any enforcement action whatsoever. We need to understand that the machines are very good at certain things, monotonous, dull, computationally heavy stuff. They are not good at strategic decision-making, enforcement, empathy, or communication. The correct solution, it's, it's software plus hardware plus humans. And that gives you the right force and capabilities at, at the same time. We've been asked to, you know, like, well, go weaponize them or what? No, the answer is no. I'm sure somebody else might do it, not on my watch. 
Understood. They're, they're used as early detection, early warning, extra observing, extra patrol, extra eyes, extra senses, those kind of let things. Me, right? let, me give you, let me give you a very poignant example. It's typically six minutes to nine minutes between a gunshot and 911 being called. And unfortunately, that happens way too much here in the States. When that call goes into 911 dispatch, what does the law enforcement agency know? There's been a gunshot. I may have the phone number and I may have the location. And that's it. You have no idea how many suspects. You have no idea what kind of weapons. You don't know what vehicles they arrived in. You don't know what floor they're on. You have no aerial reconnaissance. You have no visuals. You have nothing. You are blind. So a couple problems. First, why, is, why are we waiting six to nine minutes to make that phone call? Shouldn't the machines be able to detect a, a visible weapon and someone's brandishing in an area they're not supposed to? Shouldn't the machines be able to detect that gunshot and then for us to make that call? And shouldn't we provide the law enforcement agency, well, here are the two license plates that are tied to felons that just arrived there in parking lot C. The suspect was here last week. Here's the facial recognition for that person. And there's three of them. And two of them are on the second floor. And here's the live video. Uh, if you want to speak to them now, you can uh, through the mobile PA system that we have in, embedded in each machine. Like, that's just a very simple vignette to explain that the basic lack of technology that we have to, to give officers an ability to even have a chance to fix a problem. Absolutely. So uh, after watching the mainstream media for the last year, I was becoming extremely concerned with law enforcement, right? What is the future uh, and so on. But I'm pleasantly feeling uh, a little bit more confident after having a talk with you because I like the way that your corporate governance sits. I like the mission of the company. I like the way that you've developed your products. And I think you're heading in the right direction to be uh, a passive supporter, observer, bystander, early warning, that kind of device, which is uh, only an extra benefit to society. If you start to cross the line to try to apprehend people, like I said, you come across so many uh, problems, you'll spend another 200 years just trying to work out how to do it. And I'm sure some people will develop those types of products, but it's very, very uh, treacherous area and so many problems to overcome from it. And I like the, I like the solutions that you've got. I like the fact that there are passive and neutral in a certain way, but also supportive and dominant where they need to be in the right way. So look, it's been really, really exciting talking to you, Bill. I love hearing about the products. As I said, I've been watching it for a while and we're certainly going to see more of Nightscope's products in hospitals, airports, banks, train stations, the sorts of places that we were used to having lots of people running around. And now that we've had pandemics, now that we had social and societal issues, reductions in police enforcement, there's only really been a bigger demand and a bigger need for some kind of product like this. So very it's, a, it's, the, it's a perfect storm, perfect timing. I mean, if you would have told me eight years ago that the entire nation would be thinking about reimagining public safety after the events over the summer, after the January 6th attack on the Capitol, after the ongoing mass gun violence, um, I would have said to be a plot out of a science fiction movie. That, that's not going to happen. And here we are. That's why you are a pioneer and you have foresight and you've done a great job in, in, in pushing through all the early challenges and barriers that you had to get through to make this happen, to come out to the point where everybody finally realizes that they, they actually really need these products. Yep.
Yep. Well, it's all been really simple, easy. Everything's been a straight line. Everything went according to plan. So it's, it's all good. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We've been speaking today with Bill Santana Lee, the CEO and chairman of Nightscope Inc. It's great talking to you. It's great to hear your passion, Bill, and to hear direct from the founder, you know, what it is that the company's about, what your mission is, how you've got here. uh, And we'll be very excited to follow your progress in the future. Thank you so much, Johnny, and please be safe out there. Thank you, and you too. Thanks for your time today. Uh, Cheers. Wow, that was just so futuristic. Hats off to William Santana Lee and his amazing team. They've put together practical, usable, friendly robots that really are making the world safer and a better place. And they're already being used by police departments across the US and the world. I can't wait to see these in practice and to see what these guys come up with next. On the next episode of Tech Talk Revolution, we find out how AI can be used in so many different verticals to enhance and impact our future. We meet with CEO and co-founder of Chooch AI, Emra Gultkin. As always, I'm Johnny Kaplan, and Tech Talk Revolution is a co-production of Tech Talk Media and Electrocast Media. Executive producers are myself, Johnny Kaplan, Ronald Hans, Mark Netter, and Peter Rafelson. Our producer is Rianne Faye Seninning, and our editor is Carl McCarthy. Stay tuned to Tech Talk Revolution for our next episode, where we continue our journey meeting leaders of the world's most amazing startups, bringing you more incredible new technology from across the world. If you'd like to learn more about the startups we visited, please check out our show notes for additional information. For more info on the Tech Talk Media company, please visit our website at techtalkmedia.tv. You can subscribe to Tech Talk Revolution wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you can catch up on some of the amazing guests in our previous episodes as well. We greatly appreciate if you leave a wonderful rating or review. And please do share this podcast with your friends to let them know about Tech Talk Revolution. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. I host the rock podcast back to the arena the interviews it's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music you can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify Apple Google iHeartRadio and more if you're a rock fan like me subscribe today to back to the arena the interviews electric acid